0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, these last few weeks we've been looking at a very, very familiar story uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, It is a story of a man named Jonah. It's a story about the consequences he faced uh, in life by not obeying God. It's about lessons that he learned in that as he tried to run from God. And the reason this portion of Scripture, I believe, is included in the Bible, the reason Jonah's story is there for you and I to read and to benefit from uh, is because every one of us in this room, at one time or another in our lives, have run from God. Some of you may be in this room this morning, and you're kind of currently running from God. Now, like Jonah, we've all faced consequences in our disobedience, our running uh, from God's will and purpose for our lives. We've all faced consequences, maybe not as drastic as Jonah's. And hopefully in that, we have learned some very important life lessons Jonah's attempt to run from God teaches us that while you can run from God, you can never outrun him. Two weeks ago, we looked at Jonah chapter 1, and we talked about the four steps that Jonah took, and incidentally, they are the same four steps we take when we are running from God. Last Sunday, we focused on Jonah's time inside the belly of the fish, and what Jonah discovered the insights he gained uh, as he discovers God's heart and God's attitude towards those who run. And if you've got your outline this morning, you'll see the first two are there. We talked about those last week. The first one is Jonah discovered that God hears the prayer of the runner. Secondly, Jonah discovered that salvation comes from the Lord, and that's kind of where we left off last week, so I want to pick up there this morning, and I want to just talk about that third step, the third thing that Jonah discovered about God's heart, God's attitude towards those who are running from him, is God is a God of second chances, Again, listen to these words from Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, encourage you to open up there. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach, and it did. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I have given you. This time, as opposed to the first time, this time... Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Now let me tell you some good news. All the sin, all the junk, all of the garbage, all of the decisions, all of the consequences in your life, do you realize that God can use all of that? God can leverage all of that for good if you'll just simply let him? Paul says this in Romans 8, and he says, and we know, or some translations, we are confident that God causes everything. Do you realize that word everything encompasses everything? The good, the bad, the wanted, the unwanted, the things you've done, the things others have done to you. It doesn't matter what that is. Everything that has happened to you The Bible says God will work all that together for good. And here's the qualifier, okay? God will take all of those things, everything in your life, he'll work it together for good to those who love him. That's the qualifier. And those who are called according to his purpose for them. When you love God and when you are living The purpose that God has called you for, God will take all of the garbage, all of the junk, all the mistakes, all of your failures, all of your rebellions. God will take all of that, and as only God can do, He'll work all of that together for your good. Nothing is wasted with God. God's not through with you, and regardless of the mess you've made, nothing is beyond God's power to heal and to redeem. No matter the hole you've dug for yourself, no matter how deep you've dug that hole, nothing is beyond God's ability to take it all and to turn it for good. You say, well, pastor, you don't know how far I've drifted. You don't know how far I've fallen. Oh, pastor, you don't realize the hole I have dug for myself. And you're right, maybe I don't. Do you know that the good news of the Old Testament, the New Testament, is this, you can drift. But you cannot drift. You can fall, but you cannot fall outside the boundaries of God's grace and mercy. You can dig a hole but you'll never dig it deep enough to get outside of God's boundaries of grace and mercy for your life. Well, pastor, how do you know that? Did you know that all of the Bible characters were runners? Have you ever stopped and and thought about that? I mean, sometimes we kind of read the Bible with rose-colored glasses on. We kind of think if they made it into the Bible, if their names and their stories are in the Bible, these are are saintly people. These are godly people. If that's your impression, please go back and reread some of those stories. All of the people you admire in the Bible except Jesus were runners. All the people that impacted your life the most were runners. Do you realize the only people God has and uses are ex-runners? That's true. And having run does not disqualify you from being used by God. Because again, God and only God can take all the crud, all the junk, take the sin, take the wasted years, the bad decisions, and God will take all of that. He'll use it and he'll leverage it through you as ministry in the life of somebody else. Because our God is the God of another chance. The Apostle Paul, before he got saved, remember? He was a man named Saul. And he was a man who threw Christians in prison. And yet, look at what God was able to do with him. He got to write half of the New Testament. King David sins with Bathsheba, tries to cover it up by having her husband murdered. You know what God says to David? I'm not going to break my covenant with you. Peter... New Testament, Peter. I mean, this is a big one. Peter, who has seen miracles unlike anyone else, he walked around with Jesus. He heard Jesus speak. He saw Jesus heal and deliver. He's been there. He's done that. He has seen it all. And Jesus is arrested and a little innocent harmless girl says to Peter, aren't you one of those who follow Jesus? And Peter says, never knew him. Not sure who you're talking about sister, but I don't know him. Now I'm thinking after that you're disqualified, you're done, you're finished, you're through. I mean, when you have seen what Peter has seen and experienced, what Peter experienced, and you don't have the courage to say, yes, I was with him, yes, I know him, you're out of there. Jesus let him write two books of the Bible. Jesus said, Peter, you know what? I'm going to build the whole church on you. I'm going to let this be a reminder to other people from now on that I am the God who gives another chance. See, when you stop running, what generally happens is God begins to restore some relationships. When you quit running from God, he may begin to kind of start restoring you financially. Because here's the spiritual truth, folks. Before God will restore the things around you, he wants to restore the things within you. Before God will begin to restore and to heal and to redeem the things around you, he first wants to restore, to heal, and to redeem the things within you. When you quit running from God, he will restore your heart, your mind, and your soul. So my challenge to you today is this. Why not let this be the end of the road? This morning, here, right now, let this be the end. Why not just throw up your hands today and say, you know what, God? I'm done. I've tried to run from you. I've come to the realization I can never outrun you. I surrender my life to you. Or as the lady's just saying, I let go. And here's what you'll discover. God will hear your prayers. No matter where you are in that process, No matter how far you've fallen, you will find that God is right in the middle of the circumstances. As a matter of fact, God is probably the architect that has brought you to the end of yourself. And yes, you'll discover over time, your God is a God of another chance. So again, I just want to encourage you, don't waste another season of your life. Don't waste another week. Don't waste another month running from God. Surrender to him. Stop the running because you can run from God, but you can never outrun him. He is committed because he loves you and he will do whatever he has to do in his power. Again, not to pay you back, but to bring you back because he loves you. So as we get more and more into chapter three of Jonah, again, the fish has spit up Jonah And once again, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. And what we discover in the remainder of this story in chapters 3 and chapter 4 is God reveals to Jonah at least three blind spots Jonah had concerning God. And for some of us who are running this morning, these may also kind of be, or or have run in the past, these may also be some blind spots we have had regarding uh, God. And the first blind spot Jonah had concerning God was, God is always working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts. John Wesley called that prevenient grace. I love that whole concept. But this is the idea is that God is always, always, always working behind the scenes, oftentimes unnoticed, unseen, undetected. God is there working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, because again, God had not given up on Jonah said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I have given you. This time, the second time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowd, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. It's kind of that person, you know, you see uh, depicted in cartoons that's wearing the sandwich board, you know, uh, the end is near, the end is near. It's kind of what Jonah was doing there in the city of Nineveh. And again, when you understand what kind of has taken place there in the first two chapters, then you'll see why this verse is one of the most encouraging verses in the entire story of Jonah. Do you know what makes this verse so great? That phrase, a second time. I know normally the word second is not always a very good word. No one wants to be in second place. No one likes to be told to wait a second. Because when you're told to wait a second, you never just wait a second, right? No one wants to train for four years to go to the Olympics to finish in second place, right? So second's not always that great of a term or an idea, but here, the phrase, a second time, it is so sweet and so awesome. Here is the message in that one phrase when you are ready to quit running, God has a second, third, fourth Fifth, whatever chance you need, God has another chance waiting for you. So Jonah goes into the city, and he begins to shout, the end is near, the end is near. In 40 days, God is going to judge the nation. And this is the amazing thing. In chapter 3, verse 5, listen to this. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. Ha. Now, you read that, and you're tempted to think, seriously? No way did that happen. A stranger walks into town, and again, scholars estimate there were probably about 600,000 people in this city of Nineveh. A stranger walks into town, and he just declares the end is near, and everybody repents? Repents? I'm sure Jonah was in shock because he's probably thinking this was way too easy. And let's be honest, from a human perspective, this whole thing looks absolutely ridiculous. How could one man, claiming to be God's prophet in a very hostile city where people would line up for the privilege of hanging you from the highest tree confront thousands and thousands of people with a message of God's judgment. Now, keep in mind one very important thing. The result was not Jonah's problem. God wants us to obey him when he calls us and tells us where to go, and we have to leave the result of that obedience to him. You can do that when you simply remember one thing I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Disobedience brings burdens. Obedience brings blessings. Well, as we read history we kind of discover that there were some things happening in that region of the world at that time that very well may have set the Ninevites up for Jonah's arrival. Remember, again, our main point here. God is always, always, always working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts. So let's go back and look at history for just a moment. First, Within a five-year period, there were two major, I'm talking major plagues that ripped through this part of the world and killed thousands and thousands of people, okay? Second thing to remember, we also know from history, there was actually a solar eclipse we just had one not, not too long ago. And we, we know how that got everybody's attention, right? So there's a solar eclipse that just takes place prior to Jonah's arrival. And in that culture at that time, a solar eclipse was a bad sign. It was a bad omen of things to come. Now, according to the Assyrian writings uh, cited by wise men, here's what a solar eclipse would have meant to them in, in this day. The king will be deposed and killed. A worthless fellow will seize the throne. Rain from heaven will flood the earth. The city walls will be destroyed. So when a solar eclipse happened, that's how they interpreted what was to come. Some scholars suggest the eclipse may have actually occurred simultaneously, the same time Jonah is walking through the city calling for their repentance. So you got major plagues, you got a solar eclipse. Third thing, about a hundred miles north of Nineveh, three warrior tribes had conspired and come together and they formed a pack and they were basically committed to destroying everything and everyone in the region and they were moving toward Nineveh. Another interesting facet to this story is the people of Nineveh worshipped Nanshi, who was, among other things, a fish goddess. It was one of the gods that they worshipped. And she was the goddess of fresh water. The the Ninevites also worshipped a god named Dagon. And he was the fish god. And he was kind of represented as half man, half fish. Now stop and think about this. Here's a guy, Jonah, he's been brought to the city of Nineveh by way of a great fish. Okay? Just think about how what these people worship just with these fish gods. Okay? I'm sure the people of Nineveh are looking at this and they're kind of thinking, here's this guy who's been delivered to us out of the belly of this great fish. So he must be a messenger of the fish gods we worshiped. I mean, there there has to be a reason God chose a great fish to swallow Jonah and then deposit him on the shores of Nineveh. Again, there's no happenstance. There's no coincidence with God. So the king and the Ninevites, they knew that they had two major plagues, a solar eclipse. Their enemies were about 100 miles north, and they're moving their way. And then to top it all off, Here comes this guy who's been in the belly of a great fish for three days. His skin is probably acid, washed, no telling what his hair looked like by then. It could have looked like mine. You know, even if he had any hair left after this experience. And you kind of add on top of all of that, here's a guy who appears in this great city. And I'm sure people are kind of wondering, who is this? Where did you come from? How did you even get here? And Jonah tells him, yeah, I was swallowed by this great fish, you know, what you guys kind of worship there. And he brought me up and he just spit me up here on your shore. With everything else that has happened, the Ninevites are now thinking The gods must have brought this guy to them. He walks into town. The end is near, he's saying. And the Ninevites are thinking by now, you know what? We believe it. We believe you. And for some reason, they took Jonah seriously, so seriously, that they really began to repent with what seemed very little effort on Jonah's part. Again, what Jonah overlooked and what we oftentimes overlook, what he forgot and what we oftentimes forget is that God is always, always, always working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts. So when God presses upon you and I, the need maybe to talk to someone about him or invite someone to church or talk to somebody about their relationship with God, I want you to understand chances are very, very good that God has already been at work in their hearts and lives preparing them to receive what God wants us to share with them. I love the story in Acts 8 regarding Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It really kind of has some familiar elements. as does the story of Jonah in Acts 8, beginning in verse 26. It says, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. I love this. And Philip rose and went. God tells Jonah the first time to go to Nineveh. Jonah refuses. God tells Philip the first time to go to this desert place near Gaza. And Philip Goes. Big difference in these two men's response to God's call. Continuing in verse 27. So Philip started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked this eunuch, Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch replied, How can I unless someone instruct me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. And he's quoting from Isaiah 53 here. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, said, tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told this eunuch about the good news of Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, Folks, this is a beautiful, beautiful example of how God was working in the life of this eunuch long before he sends Philip to preach the word to him. Philip has no idea what is all had taken place leading up to this point in the eunuch's life, the ways God had been working in his life. Philip just shows up where God tells him to show up, does what God tells him to do, and amazing things happened. Do you know the same thing can be true of you and me? If we'll just show up where God tells us to show up and do what God tells us to do, amazing things are going to happen. We know this eunuch was in Jerusalem worshiping, probably at the Jewish temple. We also know he had with him at least the scroll of Isaiah because he's reading it. So we know he's had some openness, he's had some desire towards spiritual things, so we see God has already been at work in the heart and the life of this eunuch long before he calls Philip to go and witness to him, which eventually results in the eunuch becoming a Christian and then being baptized. My point is simply this, folks. Many Times unbeknownst to us, unseen, undetected, God is working in the hearts of most people long before he will ever lead us to share spiritual truths with them or to witness to them. Many times we have the same blind spot Jonah had. Jonah didn't understand all that was happening in Nineveh prior to his arrival, the things God was doing to prepare them for Jonah's message. So the next time god calls you to witness to someone or to share spiritual insights with them just remember this god has probably already been at work in their hearts preparing them for whatever it is you're about to share with them and let me just encourage those of you who are praying for family members maybe you're praying for friends or coworkers people that are not believers. You're praying for them, that God would open the eyes of their heart, that that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Never, ever lose sight of the fact that while they are even still unbelievers, God is at work behind the scenes pulling, drawing them closer and closer to them. God is working in their hearts, preparing them for that moment of salvation. Again, remember the three parables Jesus told in Luke 15. There's a story of the uh, lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son we call the prodigal son. Jesus tells the story of a sheep who gets separated from the other 99 sheep and the shepherd, which represents God in the story. He leaves the 99 and he goes and searches for the missing one until he finds it. And the scripture says when he returns, he calls together his family and friends and they throw this huge celebration because that which was lost is now found. First story. Second story Jesus tells is about a woman who also represents God in this story, who had 10 silver coins, and she loses one of the 10. And then she, it says she lights a lantern and she searches the house. She turns it upside down. She shakes everything that can be shaken looking for that lost coin. And Jesus said once the coin was found, she also calls together her family and friends and they throw a huge celebration because that which is lost is now found. And then he tells a third story about a son. The youngest son who requests his share of his father's estate, he leaves his father's home and he squanders it all on wild parties. And eventually, he becomes so broke. The story Jesus says that this man is reduced to feeding pigs. It says at one point, the son decides to return home to become a slave. And as he arrives at home, he finds his father has been watching and waiting for him. And once the father sees the son returning, the father who represents God in this story runs to the son and smothers him in kisses and restores him as a rightful son. Now, the meaning to these three stories is simply this. Lost people matter to God. The people in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood that don't know God, that are lost, they matter to God. That's the whole point of the story. That's why Jesus told three different stories. He's trying to make a very strong point here. Lost people matter to God. God. And he will continue to search for those who are lost and do all that he can to find them and to bring them to that moment of salvation. Now, this doesn't mean that we just give up doing what we're doing or, or we just leave it all up to God. He'll take care of all of that. We need to continue to pray, to love, to serve the lost. We need to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the lost. And when we add all that God is doing, all that we're doing in cooperation with God, I believe it is just a matter of time before they will surrender to the overwhelming goodness and kindness of God. So I just want to encourage you here this morning. I, I, I share this. I've got people that always come up to me and say, I, I've been praying for this person. I'm praying for this person and praying for him for years and years and years. I just say, man, go back and read Luke 15. Because what God is doing, God is searching. God is looking for them. And he's going to continue looking for them until they're found. So do not give up. Do not lose hope. Because I believe God is always, always, always working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts in ways we don't see or know about to prepare them to eventually receive the gift of salvation. Now, having said that, if the story Jonah ended here with the Ninevites repenting and God relenting and not sending his judgment upon Nineveh. You know what? This would be a great ending to a great story, would it not? God speaks, Jonah runs, God brings Jonah back, gives him a second chance, Jonah obeys, Ninevites repent, Yea, Jonah, Yea, God. But what happens next is so bizarre. It is so strange. In fact, if you were to make this story up, there is no way you would ever take the story in this direction. Because the second blind spot Jonah had concerning the character of God was this, God's grace is for everyone. That was a blind spot Jonah had concerning God. He thought God's grace was for some, not all, but God's grace is for everyone. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion. Because he is a God of compassion, of kindness, of goodness, and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Again, yay, God, woo! But then look at how Jonah responds to God's graciousness toward the Ninevites. In chapter 4, verse 1, this change of plans upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Suddenly, we learn something about Jonah and why he didn't want to go to Nineveh to begin with. And this is what we're going to pick up next week as we conclude the series on Jonah. Amen? Let's stand this morning. I'm just curious in here this morning, how many of you are praying for people that don't know Jesus? I mean, you, And, you, and, and maybe, maybe you've been praying for a long, long time. Um, I just want to encourage you, do not give up. Do not let... The blind spot for Jonah become a blind spot for you. I want you to understand, I don't care how far gone those people are. I don't care, you know, uh, how bad you think they are, uh, how far they are from God. I'm here to tell you that God's grace, His mercy, His kindness, His goodness knows no bounds. And I will guarantee you, because I've seen this in, in my own family, I will guarantee you, God is working behind the scenes in those people's lives. Again, you may not see it. You may not understand it. You may not be able to detect it. But I will guarantee you, things are happening in their lives that God is using to prepare them for that moment of salvation. So I just want to encourage you this morning, do not let Jonah's blind spot become your blind spot. Okay? God's grace is for everyone. Amen? Amen? So I just want you just to uh, just get those people in your hearts and minds right now that you've been praying for. And we're just going to say thank you, Father. Because, Lord, we trust and we believe that, God, the people that are on our hearts, the people we're thinking about right now, the people we've been praying for, that, God, we believe. And we thank you, God, that you are at work in their hearts. That, God, you're working in, 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 in maybe unseen and mysterious ways. God, you're using circumstances of their own. You're using circumstances that may not have anything to do with them. But, God, you're using all these things to work it all together for good, for their salvation. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts this morning for those that we are praying and hoping for salvation. God, we thank you, Father, that you are at work behind the scenes preparing them for that moment, that day of salvation. And so, Father, we just, again, we thank you. We look to you. And we thank you, God, that it is your kindness that leads people to repentance. It's not your wrath. It's not your anger. It's not vengeance, God, that leads people to repentance. Paul said it is your goodness. It is your kindness. And, God, we pray for those lost people that, God, would just wave after wave of goodness and kindness. Your goodness and kindness would continue to sweep over them. That, God, you would continue to open the eyes of their heart. Continue to make their hearts tender towards you, God. Just continue to break up that hard ground in their heart, God. Make that ground ready. Make it pliable for the seeds of your word, God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We're not going to lose heart. We're not going to lose sight. We're not going to become discouraged. We're going to be encouraged because we know that you are at work. We know you'll use all things and work them together for good. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your persistence. We thank you, God, that you never give up. Father, we again thank you for your goodness and your kindness, your mercy, your grace, all that you are Is eternal, it is endless. And we thank you for that, Lord, the ways that you have showered that upon us. And God, just continue to shower that upon those that don't know you, Father. And we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.